Hi, this is Pastor Dewey Thomas, the lead pastor here at Relevant Kingdom Center. And we want to thank you for listening to this MP3 message. And we hope and pray that it's a blessing to your life. Our goal at this church is to communicate the Word of God in a creative and relevant way to make disciples, develop leaders, and change lives. And so we hope that indeed this message is a blessing and it uplifts you, it encourages you, it inspires you, and transforms you. If you want more information about our church, please visit, visit us online at relevantkingdomcenter.com or call us at 225-6143 or 336-4207. And for you who are in the U.S., you can dial us at 941-234-4461. May God bless you and enjoy this message. of the Lord. Hallelujah. Losing your religion. Losing your religion. want to thank God for the musicians. Thank you so much, guys. Losing your religion. Now, there has been a statement made that I actually in a, in a 100% agreement with, and that is this. Though the Bahamas is a, Christ, is a religious nation, we're not really a Christian nation. Let me say it one more time. Though the Bahamas is a religious nation, we are not really a Christian nation. And one of the reasons I say that is because, you see, it's possible for you to be religious but not a Christian. It's possible for you to be, have religion. As a matter of fact, I know a lot of non-Christians that are very religious. I just came back from Nassau um, yesterday evening and I spent some time with my family members and I, I tell people all the time, I've got a, a crew of family men there in Nassau and when I tell you they are far from being saved, as far from being saved could be, they are far from being saved. And I thank God for the opportunity that I have, I have so that I could be a witness to my family. But here's the thing. I come to the conclusion that every time I speak to them about Christianity or about, about Jesus, they're able to quote scriptures just as good as people that I know been in church for a long time. As a matter of fact, even if you go um, to what you call it, to the streets and you start witnessing on the streets, you'll find this out. You'll find out that a lot of folks on the street know just as much scripture as you and I know. Sometimes they know even more scripture. And so the truth of the matter is there's a huge contrast and a huge difference between being religious and being a Christian. And so many people in our 21st century confuse what religion is and what Christianity is. And of course, in the first century church, Christianity was never a religion. While it was a movement, it was no ordinary movement, and it was not just an ordinary thing. But this was going to be a supernatural movement built on the revelation of who Jesus was and not who religion of men said that he was. Now, y'all remember in Matthew chapter 16, I told y'all that Jesus asked the question, who do men say that I am? But here's the thing. He flipped the script and he said, who do you say that I am? And when Peter said, you are the son, the, the, the Christ, the son of the living God, Jesus said, Peter... 
flesh and blood didn't reveal this to you, but my Father which is in heaven. Therefore, Peter, it's on this revelation of who I am that I'm going to build my church. And this is not just going to be no ordinary thing. As a matter of fact, even when the gates of hell try to come up against it, it ain't going to prevail. Somebody all in saying, no, that's right. Right, so he says on the revelation of who Jesus was, the church is built. And so here it is, religion then, after all these thousands of years and throughout the centuries, seek to answer some questions that God has already answered through Jesus. Religion is only seeking to answer questions that God has already asked. Here are some things that religion asks. Religion asks, what must I do? To get closer to God or to be saved. Now, y'all probably remember in the book of Mark, I believe, chapter 2 or 3, the Bible talks um, about how, John chapter 3, there it is. The Bible talks about how Nicodemus came to Jesus at night and he asked him, what must I do to be saved? Jesus said this, except a man be born again. Look at somebody say born again. Except a man be born again, he cannot seek or he will never see the kingdom of heaven. Then they asked, does God exist? In John chapter 3 verse 13 through 14, Jesus told Nicodemus, I'm the son of God. No one ascended into heaven except he who descended from heaven. And he said, watch this, that as Moses lifted up the serpent, so much the son of man be lifted up so that men would be drawn to him. What Jesus was telling Nicodemus in essence is this, I am the son of God. And if I'm the son of God, then there must be a God. And then the other question that religion asks, and this is one of the most powerful and one of the most uh, relative questions that religion seeks to ask or answer that God's already answered, and that is, does God love me? Look at your neighbor, say, does he love me? Yeah, see, because if you ever get in religion, I can tell you the truth, man, by the time religion finishes with you, you're going to be questioning whether God love you for real. By the time his religion finished with you, you'll feel like you don't measure up or you could never measure up for a God to love you or for God to love you. And these are the questions religion asks. But can I tell you, Christianity has already answered these questions. Amen. God has already revealed these questions through Jesus Christ. And the thing about it is, here's the thing. Christianity and religion never sees eye to eye. Every time Jesus was approaching a Pharisee or a Sadducee, they always had clashes. They always had differences of opinions. They were fighting. And the thing about it is, he always fight because religion could never agree with true first century Christianity. Here's y'all, let me give y'all an example of what I'm talking about because at the end of the day, there was one time Jesus was sitting with some sinners in Mark chapter 2. He was sitting with some sinners and the Pharisees and the Sadducees was looking at Jesus and he, they were saying to Jesus, how in the world could you be over there sitting with sinners? Here's the story. Let me read it uh, for you. It says, as he passed by, he saw Levi, the son of Alphaeus, sitting in the tax booth. And he said to him, follow me. And he got up and followed him. And it happened that he was reclining at the table in the house, in his house. And many tax collectors and sinners were dining with Jesus and his disciples, for there were many of them. Somebody say many of them. Man, this is good for me. Let me tell you all why this is so good for me. Because at the end of the day, what I see or who I see always attracted to Jesus were people that were nothing like him. See, a lot of people want a church full of saved folks. But yes, what I want, I want God to send the folks that are far from him. 
Because after all, amen, people that were nothing like Jesus was always attracted to Jesus. And it says here, there were a bunch of sinners and tax collectors that were dining with Jesus and his disciples, for there were many of them, and they were following him. Verse 16, when the scribes and the Pharisees saw that he was eating with sinners and tax collectors, they said to his disciples, why is he eating and drinking with tax collectors and sinners? You see, Religion always questions Christianity. Religion always questions relationship. And you'll see, see that in a minute. Religion, they can't understand. You know, I can imagine how much flack some of y'all is get because people will see me dressed in jeans and t-shirt on Sunday morning. And they probably asking y'all questions like, how in the world y'all pastor come to church dressed in jeans and a t-shirt? Or why do y'all use all of these different things? Because, because at the end of the day, religion will always question a move. And that's what they would do and say, why? Why is he sinning? And I like Jesus' answer. Here's what Jesus said. And hearing this, Jesus said to them, it's not those who are healthy that needs a physician. Aren't y'all glad about that? He says, but it's those that are sick. He said, I did not come to the righteous. See, that's why I can't get with a bunch of stuck-up, self-righteous people, amen? Why? Because they feel like they're perfect and that they have already attained and reached where God wants them to reach. But I'm so glad for people that say, God, you know what? I know that I'm not where I need to be, but thank God I was in, I'm not where I used to be. And a lot of us up in here today, we should be grateful, we should be glad that we're even here and that we even know God because we know that if it hadn't been for him putting his hand on our lives, we wouldn't have been here right now. Somebody all at your boy and say, preach, young man. I'm preaching better than y'all shouting already up in here, up in here. But can I tell you, amen, it's the sick that needs the doctor, not the righteous. And so Jesus said, listen, forget what all you think. I didn't come for you. Because as far as you're concerned, you already get it all together. I came for the folk that people give up on. I came for the folks that nobody want to have nothing to do with. I came for the folks that used to be up inside the clubs, amen, tearing it up. I came for the folks, amen, that, used, that found themselves in bad situations that understand that I'm the only one that can touch their lives and change their lives and transform their lives. And so Jesus said, hey, I came for the sick. And I like that. I like that. But here's the thing. Amen. The thing about Jesus is this. Jesus then didn't like religion. Because the Pharisees and the Sadducees were very religious. And Jesus always argued with them. But here's the thing. Religion equals rules. Jesus equals relationship. Look at somebody say, I like that. Religion is rules. Jesus is relationship. Religion equals tradition and ritual. Jesus equals relationship you see in tradition and ritual they say it have to be done like this this is the way we've always known it to be so it can't change that's why I tell people we may have a changing method but we'll never change the message and so here it is religion equals bondage Jesus equals relationship which is freedom Jesus equals freedom. Somebody shout freedom. Yeah, so who the sun sets free is what? So 
Religion is man's attempt to search for God while Christianity equals God searching for man. I want, to pay, I want you to pay attention to the screen. We're going to switch over really quick because I have a, a, a video that I absolutely love. And when I thought about this message, I was saying to myself, I said, man, I've got to show this video. And so I want you all to see this video about the huge contrast between Jesus and religious, religious folks, Jesus and religion. Here's the huge difference. If you could get the lights. religion? What if I told you voting Republican really wasn't his mission? What if I told you Republican doesn't automatically mean Christian, and just because you call some people blind doesn't automatically give you vision? I mean, if religion is so great, why has it started so many wars? Why does it build huge churches, but fails to feed the poor? Tell single moms God doesn't love them if they've ever had a divorce, but in the Old Testament, God actually calls religious people whores. Religion might preach grace, but another thing they practice. To the ritual of God's people, they did it to John the Baptist. They can't fix their problems, and so they just mask it, not realizing religion is like spraying perfume on a casket. See, the problem with religion is it never gets to the core. It's just behavior modification, like a long list of chores. Like, let's dress up the outside, make it look nice and neat. But it's funny, that's what they used to do to mummies while the corpse rots underneath. Now, I ain't judging, I'm just saying, quit putting on a fake look. Because there's a problem, and people only know that you're a Christian by your Facebook. I mean, in every other aspect of life, you know that logic's unworthy. It's like saying you play for the Lakers just because you bought a jersey. See, this was me too, but no one seemed to be on me. Acting like a church kid while addicted to pornography. See, on Sunday I'd go to church, but Saturday getting faded, acting if I was simply created to just have sex and get wasted. See, I spent my whole life building this facade of meanness, but now that I know Jesus, I boast in my weakness. Because if grace is water, then the church should be in motion. It's not a museum for good people, it's a hospital for the broken. Which means I don't have to hide my failure, I don't have to hide my sin. Because it doesn't depend on me, it depends on him. See, because when I was God's enemy, and certainly not a fan, he looked down and said, I want that man. Which is why Jesus hated religion, and for it he called them fools. Don't you see so much better than just following some rules? Now let me clarify. I love the church, I love the Bible, and yes, I believe in sin. But if Jesus came to your church, would they actually let him in? See, remember he was called a glutton and a drunkard by religious men. But the Son of God never supports self-righteousness, not now, not then. Now back to the point, one thing is vital to mention. How Jesus and religion are on opposite spectrums. See, one's the work of God, and one's a man-made invention. See, one is the cure, but the other's the infection. See, because religion says do, Jesus says done. Religion says slave, Jesus says son. Religion puts you in bondage, but Jesus sets you free. Religion makes you blind, but Jesus makes you see. And that's why religion and Jesus are two different clans. Religion is man searching for God. Christianity is God searching for man. Which is why salvation is freely mine, and forgiveness is my own. Not based on my merits, but Jesus' obedience alone. Because he took the crown of thorns and the blood dripped down his face. He took what we all deserve. I guess that's why you call it grace. 
and while being murdered, he yells, Father, forgive them. They know not what they do. Because when he was dangling on that cross, he was thinking of you. And he absorbed all your sin, and he buried it in the tomb, which is why I'm kneeling at the cross saying, come on, there's room. So for religion, no, I hate it. In fact, I literally resent it. Because when Jesus said, it is finished, I believe he meant it. Amen. And so there's a huge contrast between Jesus and religion. I don't like religion, but I love Jesus. You see, here's the thing. Religion is a bunch of rules. Again, while I tell you, uh, Jesus is relationship. That's why the key statement, the key statement that launched the church or that the church was built on was this. On the revelation of who I am. Meaning, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. That whosoever, somebody shout whosoever. See, not a particular people, not just a sect of people, not just these ones over here, but whosoever would believe in him would not perish but have eternal life. As a matter of fact, God wanted relationships so much that he gave his only son. He didn't come to set up another religion. That's why last week, Wednesday, we talked about denominations and I said to you all that there are over 41,000 denominations and whenever you look up the Bahamas, they would say that the Bahamas is a very religious nation and what they do after that is they start to list all of the denominations in the Bahamas. Because that's what religion is all about. Religion says if you don't look like me, if you don't act like me, you can't, uh, you can't come in to know it. You can't know God. Because after all, you ain't dressing how I dress and you ain't talking how I talking. And so you can't be saved if you, do, if you ain't doing all of the things that I'm doing. And so religion sets up a bunch of rules. Look at somebody say rules. You see, one of the reasons why relationship does enough to push rules is because with every relationship, you know that there are going to come inbuilt rules. As a matter of fact, I love my wife so much to the point that I love her so no one got to tell me don't cheat on her. Nobody got to tell me don't do certain things. Why? Because at the end of the day, I understand that relation comes with rules. You don't got to tell me your rules. And so religion... Versus Christianity is a huge thing, huge contrast. So now because Christ loved us so much, he actually went to the cross, died, rose again on the third day. And here's the thing. After he rose again, the Bible says that huge amounts of people started to come to know God. As a matter of fact, the Gentiles, believers and Gentiles in biblical antiquity are those that were far from God. Somebody say far from God. Yeah, it was those that were far from God, those that the Jews would label sinners because after all, they were Gentiles, but the Gentiles actually start coming to know God. And here's the thing with religion. Religion gets upset when other people start moving in. But this isn't just for us. I want this church to be full. I, you know, someone said to me, Pastor, do you remember when we was just a little small crew? And I felt like we were so much more family because we was a smaller crew. But can I tell you, God's going to cause more people to come. And what you've got to do is you've got to say, you know what? I'm going to show the type of love Jesus showed. I'm not going to be religious, but I'm going to be relational. And I'm going to show people love. And as far as I'm concerned, it just means that my family getting a little bigger. 
But here's the thing, huge amount of Gentiles started to come to know God. And after they started to come to know God, there was the religious people that started to show their head. And this is where we go in and man, this is about to be good. I'm going to be doing a lot of teaching for the next few moments that I have. And we're going to go through a journey in scripture because I want to show you how religion sought to destroy what Jesus came to set up. And so watch this, y'all. After some time, um, in Acts chapter 15, um, it was showing that there were the Gentiles that were coming. And if you read from verse 1 of Acts, amen, it says this, amen, that after the Gentiles were coming to know God, that huge amounts of people, amen, started to come to know God. But there arose, watch what it says here in, the, in Acts chapter 15. It says, and he says, but there arose some men from Judea who were teaching the brothers, unless you are circumcised according to the custom of Moses, you cannot be saved. Unless you do certain things, and can I tell y'all, for all the brothers that here, the membership list for men was real low when they started preaching this. But he says, unless you're circumcised, you can't be saved. And I like this, y'all, because it showed that Paul and Barnabas didn't like religion either. Because watch what happened in verse 2. And after Paul and Barnabas had no small, somebody say no small. No small dissension and debate with them. That means Paul and Barnabas was argumentative, was debating. They was, they was fighting against this religious spirit and everything that these Judaizing Christians tried to put on now the Gentile believers that were coming to God. Paul and Barnabas fought them with everything they had. Some scripture says that he fought them or he debated against them vehemently. Because Paul and Barnabas knew that this wasn't what Jesus came to set up. He didn't come to set up just another sect, just another religion. And he, they knew that now circumcision wasn't going to be on the outside, but circumcision was going to be on the inside. You see, a lot of times religious people are more concerned with how you are on the outside, but they concern about how you are on the inside. And the truth of the matter is, that's why we got a huge generation that are dying and going to a devil's hell. Because as far as they're concerned, all I got to do is look like I'm doing good. All I got to do is go to church on Sunday, and the worse the service, the more credit God gives me. And so after the day, at the end of the day, after Sunday, I could keep doing whatever it is I was always doing. I could go lay around, sleep around, do whatever I want to do, because after all, it's just on the outside that matters. But see, while men and women may look on the outside, can I tell y'all, Jesus looks at your heart. We got to let the kids in. They tell me it raining no day. I could see it. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Jesus looks at your heart. Give me your attention as they come in. Jesus looks at your heart. Somebody say with me. Say, Jesus looks at your heart. Yeah, so I don't care how you look. I don't care what you do. At the end of the day, God looks at your heart. Let me just ask you all a sobering question. Where is your heart right now? Let me ask you a sobering question. How is your life right now? Is your life just something that is on the outside that look good, but on the inside, Jesus said this, you fill with dead men's bones. Because at the end of the day, all religion is concerned about is the outside. And watch this, y'all. And they had a huge dissension among them, and some others were appointed to a group to Jerusalem, to the apostles and elders about this question. Here's what happened. 
And when they went down to Jerusalem, they were welcomed by the church and the apostles and the elders, and they declared all that God had done with them. But some believers who belonged to the party of who? Yeah, you see, because the Pharisees, you'll find out, was one of the strictest religious sect. As a matter of fact, you couldn't get no stricter than the Pharisees. But at this point in time, some Pharisees actually started to accept Christ as Lord and Savior. But they felt that in order for you to continue to go to heaven, not only do you have to accept Christ, but you got to follow all the rules. So you got to follow all the rules. So these were these Judaizing Pharisees right now that came up and rose up and they said, it is necessary. Somebody say they say it's necessary. They said it was necessary to circumcise them and to order them to keep the law of Moses. Let me tell you why I was a youth pastor for seven years. Let me tell you what a lot of young people say to me. Pastor Dorita, the reason why I don't go to church right now is because all I hear is the rules, the rules, the rules. You can't do this, you can't do that, you can't do this, you can't do that. And you know what I come to the conclusion of? We try to catch fish before we, we try to clean the fish before we catch the fish. But you can't clean fish unless you catch it. That's why I say come as you are, but you ain't going to stay as you are. And so it says that they said it was necessary, but watch how the story goes on. The apostles and the elders were gathered together to consider this matter, and after there had been much debate, Peter stood up and said to them, watch what Peter said, y'all, brothers, you know that in the early days, God made a choice among you, that by, the mouth, by, 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 that by my mouth, the Gentiles should hear the word of the gospel and believe. And God, who knows the what? Notice what Peter did. He went from the outside and he started to address now the. So he said, and God who knows the heart bore witness to them by giving them the Holy Spirit just as he did to us. Ain't that something? See, because religion always try to put God in a box. They only believe that God is right here, right now, just because of them. See, but relationship understands that God can't fit in no box. And a lot of times religion will make you feel like if you ain't this way or that way, and if you ain't doing it how we doing it, then you ain't really experiencing God. But God is too big to go in our box. Look at your neighbor say, get God out your box. Yeah, he says, because at the end of the day, watch this, just like God touch us, God touching them. Ooh, that's some good stuff, eh? Let me tell you why some folks upset with you right now. Because you ain't been doing half of the things they've been doing, but yet your life's still progressing. Hallelujah. They've been trying to figure you out. They saying, man, I know they used to be this way, but it seems like they blessed with no stress. Tell them, baby, because it ain't a matter of the outside. It matters what's on the inside. And a whole lot of folk are upset right now and mad at you because of how blessed you are. But tell them it's because your heart right. While they trying to figure things out, you already know that God, as long as you get my heart, that's why I ain't got time to please nobody. Because at the end of the day, it is your heart. He said God didn't make no distinction between them. And you look at somebody say, you ain't no better than me. Yeah, they, you talking to the wrong neighbor, they must be feel you better than them. Turn to somebody else and say, you ain't no better than me. Yeah, so he says, having cleansed their what? Their hearts. Having cleansed their clothes. Having cleansed, amen, the things, the rituals, the tradition. No, having cleansed their 
I like this. I just love scripture, y'all. I tell you, listen. And here's how the story continues. Now, therefore, why are you putting God to the test by putting a yoke on the neck of the disciples that neither our fathers nor we are able to bear? Let me tell you all why this is so powerful to me. Because here's the thing. In church, you have a lot of hypocrites. You ain't have to say amen. You can say ouch if you need to. But can I tell you, in church, you have a lot of hypocrites. You get a lot of people that try to tell you how to live when they ain't even doing the thing they trying to tell you to do. You have a lot of people that preaching at you when they need to take a self-evaluation of their own personal lives and maybe, just maybe, if we stop being so hypocritical and judgmental, we will see more people come to know God. Amen. Why? Because we're keeping people out on the basis of our self-righteousness and our pride when ain't none of us got it all together. Look at somebody say, I'm still trying to work it out. I, I still trying to work it out. Yeah. So don't come up in here acting like you better than me, like you get it all together because at the end of the day ain't none of us better than the next and all of us got some issues that God needs to work out in our lives somebody holler at your boy and say preach young man I preach him better than y'all shouting up inside here today and so a lot of people are quick to judge but they ain't even keeping or doing the things that they judging you with so he says, you, neither our fathers were able to bear it. But watch this, he says, but we believe that we will be saved, not through works, not through our religious traditions and customs, but I believe we will be saved through grace. Somebody holler grace. Y'all you know, got to haul at your boy like you know what I you say and say grace. Yeah, you see, grace is undeserved favor. Grace is undeserved blessings. And a whole lot of people like to act like they deserve the blessings that they have. But how much of y'all just know you don't really deserve the things that God has already blessed you with? Hallelujah. As a matter of fact, a lot of people trying to figure out again why you so blessed. Tell them you don't even know why you so blessed because you know how messed up you really are. That's why you can't help but to give God the kind of praise you've been giving him lately because you understand that if it had not been for his grace, and I just need about five people that know God is gracious and merciful to give him real praise right there. He says, he says, but we believe that we will be saved through grace of the Lord Jesus, just as they will. And all the assembly falls silent. Yeah, that means they shut up. The same people I was telling them, no, they have to do this. They have to do that. After they start hearing about, listen, you ain't keeping the things you're trying to talk to. And Paul and Barnabas still start, and Peter start telling them how much of a hypocrite they are. Guess what? Everyone get quiet. Ain't saying nothing, got nothing to say. Yeah, see, because a lot of times people could yap their mouth when you don't know their issues. But let something missing go wrong. See, that's why a lot of people right now, God is exposing them, you know. Let me tell you why God exposing them. Because the same people that are trying to bring everybody else down, telling you what not to do, are the same people that are behind closed door. Their life is more messed up than you and I. That's why God exposing a whole lot of church people a whole lot of religious people 
That's why he says by grace, he says as they will, and the assembly fell silent and they listened to Barnabas and Paul as they related with signs and wonders God had done through them among the Gentiles. Watch this, y'all. After they had finished speaking, James, the brother of Jesus, thou stood up and watch what he said. He said, listen to me. Look at your neighbor, say, listen closely. I pull in my chair up because I want to look some of y'all in your eye. Listen to me closely. Listen, listen to what he said. Watch where he goes next. He says, therefore, it is my judgment that we should not make it difficult for those of the Gentiles who turn to God. Here's what he's saying. Man, forget all of your traditions. Forget all of your rituals. Forget all of your customs. Don't try put a bunch of things on people before they come to God. Yeah, they may be messed up, but let them come. Yeah, they may not have it all together, but let them come. Yeah, see, they may not. You want me to tell you why I dress down a lot of times and I tell you all to come as you are? You could dress up or dress down however you want to roll. That's if whatever floats your boat, floats your boat. But let me tell you why, because there's a lot of people out there that would say, Pastor Dury, the reason why I can't come to church is because I don't have what they call church clothes. But I tell them, baby, every day you're wearing your church clothes. Why? Because the church ain't an event. It ain't just a building, but me and you, we are the church and no matter what you dress in no matter how you look you are the church now I'm not saying you know be all out there with your apple bottom jeans and boots with your fur I talking about going out there amen and showing everything that your mama gave you no I'm talking about being decent and in order but not feeling restricted because of how you look on the outside so we say, come as you are, because I want you to use the excuse that I ain't got no church clothes. No, come in your Air Force Ones, your jeans, your T-shirt, whatever you got to come in. You could come in. Why? Because after all, we ain't trying to make it difficult for y'all to come to God. He says, he says, we got to make it easy. Look at somebody say, make it easy. Yeah. And y'all watch what happened. So here's what he was saying in essence. He was saying God didn't come to set up a bunch of rules, but he came to introduce relationship. But watch this, y'all. The negative effect of the religious people had taken so much hold in the church, even as it does today. It had taken so much hold in the church that Paul and Barnabas, even though they were at this council in Acts chapter 15, even though they had said all of this stuff, they found out something devastating had happened. That these religious people had now infiltrated and affected the church so badly that all of the church especially the Galatian church and if you ever read the book of Galatians now you'll have a different perspective as you read it because in the book of Galatians Paul now has to actually tell the Galatian church that listen all of this stuff that they ask you to do ain't necessary what they were telling you is necessary really ain't necessary look at your neighbor say don't take all of that yeah, so it don't take all of what you're doing. He said it ain't necessary, but in Galatia, watch what happened. How, how these Judaizing Christians had tried to make it so difficult that even Gentile people, people that know they can't keep these laws, they started to now find themselves in a position where they were affected by these Judaizing Christians. Watch what happened in Galatians. I told you all this is a Bible journey today. Watch this. He says in Galatians, this is Paul now writing as the church had been so affected. The church had been so affected by what had happened by these Judaizing Pharisees from Acts chapter 15. Watch what happened in Galatia. Paul wrote to them and said, I'm astonished that you were so quickly deserting the one who called you to live by what? 
Ain't it something that when you get saved, when you first get saved, you got saved from the genuineness of your heart. You got saved knowing that God, I come into you because I'm a mess. I need you. And if you don't touch me, I can't be touched. If you don't turn my life around, it can't be turned around. And man, you were excited and you were jealous for God. But what happened is the longer you get saved, the more you see him to forget. Yeah, the longer you in church, the more you forget that God brought you from a long way too. Look at somebody say, God brought you from a long way. He said, he said, I'm astonished that you were so quickly deserting the one who called you to live by grace of Christ and are turning to a different gospel, which is really no gospel at all. Evidently, some people are throwing you into confusion. Here's the next thing religion does. Religion confuses you. Religion confuses you. Here's what he says. They're showing you into confusion and trying to pervert the gospel of Christ. But even if we or an angel from heaven should preach a gospel other than the one we preach to you, let them be under God's curse. This is how serious it is. This is how serious Paul and Barnabas was about people that was trying to put a bunch of religious rules on the church. He said, let them be cursed. He says, watch this. He says in verse 9, as we have already said, so now I say again. And he was repeating himself. He started to repeat himself. He said, and if anyone is preaching to you another gospel other than what you accept them, let them be under God's curse. Look at your neighbor say, be careful how you handle me. Yeah. Watch this, y'all. In Galatians chapter 1, watch verse 10. Am I now trying to win the approval of human beings or God? Am I trying to please who? Am I trying to please who? People. See, y'all can't say that loud because that's all y'all been for the, doing for the last 20-something years of your Christian life. You've been trying to please people. Oh, you know why a lot of people go into church? They go to church with an obligation because they're wondering what people going to say. Let me tell you why a lot of people doing what they're doing. Because they're worrying about what people going to say. He says, or am I trying to please? He says, because if I was still trying to please people, I would not be a servant of Christ. Y'all, he didn't finish there, but watch this. I want you to know, brothers and sisters, that the gospel I preach to you is, of, is not of human origin. Here's what he's saying. This ain't nothing that's just another religion. He said, this ain't just another thing to do. This ain't no ordinary movement. He said, this is not of human origin. He says, I did not receive it from any man, nor was I taught it. Rather, I received it by revelation of the Holy Spirit. And here's what Paul started to do. Paul started to tell them, I was just as religious as some of these people. Watch what he said. And I'm almost done. He says, he says this, for you have heard of my previous way of life in Judaism, how intensely, somebody say intensely, how intensely I persecuted the church of God and tried to do what? That's what religion doing right now. Religion is destroying or trying to destroy the church. But I'm glad the gates of hell, he ain't going to be able to prevail. But that's what religion is trying to do right now. That's why a lot of our sons and a lot of our daughters are far from God right now because of how the church has handled them. He says, I was advancing in Judaism beyond many of my own age. Among my people, I was extremely zealous for the who? Traditions of my father's. 
And here's what Paul was telling them in other words. Paul was saying to them, religion kills. That's why we have a lot of dead churches. If y'all don't give me amen, someone on the outside, when they hear us on 98.3, they're going to be tearing the house up. Because religion kills. Look at somebody say religion kills. Religion. Yeah. So here's what I came and I gone through all that scripture just to tell y'all this. Just to tell a bunch of y'all this, especially in an island like Exuma. Y'all ready for what I'm about to tell y'all? Because I want y'all to get this. Y'all ready for this? Here's what I want to tell y'all and I want you to keep it in mind. As a matter of fact, I want you to shout it out on the rooftops from this point on. Ready? You have to lose your religion. In order for you to live and truly have life, you have to lose all your religion. As a matter of fact, you know they used to have a statement, don't make me put down my religion. No, you could curse them with your religion. You ain't got to put that down. But can I tell you, when you put your religion down, as a matter of fact, don't put it down. Throw it away. Because at the end of the day, your religion wasn't just killing you. It was killing everybody else around you. And God said, I came that you may have what? And have it more what? But you could never have life and have abundant life unless you are willing to lose your religion. Unless you're willing to put down a whole bunch of unnecessary things that men made you feel was necessary. Unless you stop willing, being willing to please men, you will never please God because religion has one objective. It came to kill. And guess what? Religion then is of the devil because the Bible says that the enemy came to steal, to kill, and the... Look at your neighbor and say, boy, I losing my religion. And I'm going to end with this because y'all y'all look like y'all too religious to handle this message today. I'm going to end with this because I want to show y'all how serious religion was. And I want to show y'all what happened why Paul vehemently or why Paul was so strong on his debate against religious people. Because see, that's what I don't ever want us to ever come to where we start to get religious. Where we start to have all of these rules and regulations. Why? Because if people come in and they truly have relationship, that's what's going to cost them to change. As a matter of fact, if I survey this audience right now, a whole lot of folks that I know had a whole lot of issues, you've been doing better this year than you did last year. You want me to tell you how I know that? Because you ain't come to me as much this year as you was coming to me last year. Because it's relationship that changes. Let me tell you why I tell people you can't come to young people. I tell you, I was a youth pastor for seven years. Let me tell you why you can't come to young people and just start hitting them over the head. Because first of all, if you don't have relationship with them, they ain't into all of that. If you have relationship with somebody, you could tell them to do something and they'll do it quicker than if somebody who don't have relationship with them tell them to do it. So you don't have to worry about forcing people to live right because if they truly get God, guess what? They're going to live right. Because after all, they ain't living to please Pastor Dury. They ain't coming to church trying to make Pastor Dury think he holy because they understand, guess what? Pastor Dury ain't crucify himself for me. Pastor Dury didn't go to the cross for me. But guess what? God did. And I know when Pastor Dury that man around, guess who watching? I know when mommy and daddy ain't around, guess who watching? 
Yeah, I know when people that I was pretending to be so saved with ain't around, guess who's watching God? But your religion causes you to put on this mask and it causes you to be a man pleaser rather than God pleaser. But here's what Paul did. Paul ended up having to go before King Agrippa, y'all. And when Paul went before King Agrippa, Paul started to talk about this religion that he was a part of and how God helped him to lose his religion. And here is what it says. And if we could just give me your attention. I know there's a lot of walking and distracting, but listen, just give me your attention just for a couple seconds. Amen. Because I want you to get this very, very last portion of scripture. You have to lose this religion so much. Watch what Paul went through. And watch how Paul said he lost it because at the end of the day, here's what I came to recognize. A lot of us only going to lose our religion when we go through some hard things. Oh, you want me to tell you when a lot of us lose our religion? When our child dying and we know only God could help and the religion you always uh, been confessing and professing ain't doing nothing to help you. You know how you going to use that religion when life hit you so hard that you, you get knocked so hard to the ground that you need real relationship with God now to bring you out. Because a lot of people could go to church for years, take communion, sing songs, but guess what? Sometimes they have to have what we call a Damascus Road experience to get rid of their religion. Here's Paul. Let me give you a pause defense and then I'm going because Paul could tell his story better than me. Here's Paul's defense. Um, can I have a Bible real quick? Acts chapter 26. It was so long, the scripture, I didn't have time to put it in PowerPoint. Acts chapter 26. See, because when Paul was actually before King Agrippa, Paul was saying, King Agrippa, I want you to know who I was and where I come from. Look at your neighbor say, you have to know who I am. And where I came from. Watch what he said. He said to Agrippa. This is Paul now before Agrippa. This was the same Paul that was debating in Acts chapter 15. This is the same Paul that wrote in Galatians. The whole Galatian church telling them about losing their religion. And getting the whole of the grace of God. Here's what Paul was saying in Acts chapter 26 now. He said, then Agrippa said to Paul, you have permission to speak for yourself. He said, you have permission to speak for yourself. So Paul mentioned with his motion with his hand and began his defense. King Agrippa, I consider myself fortunate to stand before you today as I make my defense against all the accusation of the Jews. And especially so because you were well acquainted with all the Jewish customs and controversies. Therefore, I beg you to listen to me patiently. And I know you're ready to go to macaroni almost burning, but please listen to me patiently just for a few seconds. Here's what Paul said. He said, the Jews all know the way I have lived ever since I was a child. From the beginning of my life in my own country and also in Jerusalem. They have known me for a long time. Anyone look this out like he lived in Exome? He said, they had known me for a very long time. I can testify if they are willing that according to the strictest sect of our religion. You hear what he say? Of our religion, I lived as a who? As a Pharisee, and now it is because of my hope in what God has promised our fathers that I am on trial today. In other words, here's, here's King Agrippa. A lot of people mad with me because I decided to put down my religion. That's why I'm standing before you right now. Yeah, my parents, my uncle, them, and all of them that know me from I was a little boy or a little girl, they mad right now because I ain't always been where I grow up. Why, let me go back on my pulpit. 
He says, watch this, but God did something in my life. Ain't it something when God finally revealed himself to you for yourself? It ain't just mummy damn God. It ain't just grammy damn God, but it is my God. He said, God did something in my life. He said, and this, he says, is the promise of our, tri of our 12 tribes. I'm hoping to see fulfilled as they earnestly serve God day and night. Oh, king, it is because of this hope that the Jews are accusing me. Why should any of you consider it incredible that God raises the dead? In other words, why y'all tripping out? Because y'all see God doing all of these things that y'all never saw God do before. Why are you tripping out? Because this thing is different from what you always known. In verse 9, I too was convinced. Somebody say convinced. I was convinced I ought to do all that was possible to oppose the name of Jesus of Nazareth. And that is what I did in Jerusalem. On the authority of the chief priests, I put many of the saints in prison. And when they were put to death, I cast my vote against them. Here's what Paul was saying. Paul said, King Agrippa, I was so bad and I was so caught up in religion that I would drive Christians from synagogues and houses and I would torture them until they blaspheme God. I would torture them until they started to, to renounce and denounce the name of the God that they so claim that they love. As a matter of fact, I would take men from their children and from their wives and I would have them put in the middle of the streets and I would torture them because they were naming this Christ rather than the religion that we all grew up with. Watch what he says. He says, he says, I too was convinced about this and I oppose the name of Jesus of Nazareth and that's just what I did in Jerusalem on the authority of the chief priests. I put many of the saints in prison and when they were put to death, I cast my vote against them. Many a time, I went from synagogue to another to have them, to have them punished and I tried to force them to blaspheme. In my obsession against them, I even went to foreign cities to persecute them. Paul said, I wasn't just staying in one place. I was trying to get, go to foreign cities. I was hunting them down. He says this in verse 12. On one of these journeys, I was going to Damascus. Mm -hmm. With the authority and the commission of the chief priest. About noon, O king, I was on the road and I saw a light from heaven, brighter than the sun, blazing around me and my companions. We all fell to the ground. And I tell y'all, sometimes God got to knock you off your high horse. God got to knock you off of all of this pride you have. And he starts to expose some stuff in your life. He says, and we fell to the ground. He says, and I heard a voice saying to me in Aramaic, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? It is hard for you to kick against the gods. Here's what he's saying. Y'all know what a god was? A god was a stick that a farmer used, and they would try to make the animal go into the direction that they would want them to go. And guess who was always on the losing end of the god? The animal. So God said to Paul, Paul, you fighting me, but guess what? You just kicking against the gods, buddy, because ain't nothing you could do to stop this. I like that. He says, you kicking against the gods. He says this. Then I ask, who are you? Lord, that's how it's written. He said, who are you? And then he asked, he caught himself. He said, Lord. I am Jesus who you were persecuting, the Lord replied. Now get up and stand on your feet. I have appeared to you to appoint you as a servant and as a witness of what you have seen of me and what, you, what I will show you. I will rescue you from your own people and from the Gentiles. I am sending you to them to open their eyes. 
and to turn them from darkness into light and from the power of Satan to God so they may receive forgiveness of sins and place among those who were sanctified by what? Faith in me. He said, King Agrippa, God saved me. Strip me of all of my religion just so I could start to tell people about this relationship that they could have, that their eyes may be open. I got to close, but watch this. Here's my concluding statement. God has decided, and no matter what you and I do, that he is not going to stay in our box. As a matter of fact, anytime the true fires of revival starts to be burning, guess what happened? Religion always shows its head to try and extinguish it. Because they don't understand it. And so the question, and they, so they question, they criticize everything done and try to make it of no effect because they can't control it because religion is something that man wants to control. And the minute people can't control God, they get upset. But I don't want a God that I could control. And so here it is, amen, religion is man's effort to control God, but the movement, somebody say the movement. The movement can't be controlled or stopped by man or the gates of hell. And y'all, I went through all of that scripture today, and I started to exegete as well as I could the fact that we have to lose our religion because our religion is what's been killing us for a long time. But it's time for us to truly have relationship. Look at somebody say relationship. And live the way God wants us to live. Somebody ought to put your hands together and give God praise today. <laughs> Hallelujah. Come on, if you're glad that you ain't just religious, but you got a relationship. Hallelujah. <laughs> and so he is saying, you know what? It's time for us to lose our religion. I want to give us some facts about RKC and then we're going to switch gears as I've been doing this whole month. Here's some facts and some statements that we make here and you'll hear me coin and you'll hear me even preach it a whole lot. It's we're not religious, just relevant. Let me tell you why we're relevant because relevant, in order for you to be relevant, you have to know where people are at. In order for you to be relevant, you have to be relational. So whenever you hear me say we're, we're not religious, we're relevant. What I'm saying is we're after relationship. And we're going to cause people to come that others have thrown away. So that's why we say come as you are and you won't what? Right. Because at the end of the day, relationship should have you changing and doing something better with your life. None of you should come to church every Sunday, every Wednesday, and remain the same. Something should touch your heart, get a hold of your heart. Tell you, say, I can't live how I've always been. And then we say this, God isn't concerned only about what's in your head, but what's in your... So you could come and preach to me all you want, but how is your heart? That's why Jesus told the Pharisees, he said, listen, you're around here trying to take splinters out of other people's eyes when you all get logs in your eye. He said, how could the blind lead the blind? Because your heart ain't right with me. And so that's why I tell you to this day, listen, God wants your heart. Look at your neighbor say, he wants your heart. Yeah, he wants your heart. And that is why. I love my church. Y'all, that is why I love my church.